there were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Sometimes when two very dangerous people pair up, the unthinkable can happen. On September 28, 1953, a young boy was kidnapped so his well-to-do family could pay a hefty ransom demand. A young boy who was taken by two very dangerous people who had no intention of ever bringing him home. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Carl Austin Hall was the son of a wealthy St. Louis lawyer who never wanted for anything. That was until his father died in 1946, left him $200,000, and he squandered the whole thing on drugs and alcohol. Now desperate for money, Carl began robbing taxi cabs and did such a bad job that police caught him pretty quickly and he was sentenced to five years in a Missouri state prison of which he only served 16 months and was released on April 28, 1958. He was now left with no money, a criminal record, and a desperate need for a new plan. That's when he remembered someone from his past. Robert Greenlease was a Kansas City, Missouri multimillionaire who made his fortune introducing General Motors to the Great Plains in the early 20th century. The owner of quite a few dealerships, Robert had a few children, adopted and biological, and when he was quite a bit older, he had his youngest child, a boy he named Robert Cosgrove Greenlease, or Bobby for short. Robert doted upon Bobby, and the six-year-old soon became an extremely doted-upon heir to a pretty large fortune, something Carl Hall was well aware of because, in the early 1930s, he met Paul Robert Greenlease, Bobby's adopted older brother, while attending Kemper Military School in Boonville, Missouri. Realizing young Bobby may be his ticket to a new life, he began concocting an evil plan. Now, when Carl stepped foot out of prison that April, he was greeted by an unusual character. With the sun hitting his face as a free man for the first time in 16 months, Carl was caught off guard when a woman with whom he had never met embraced him and began passionately kissing him on the mouth. Upon introducing herself, Carl learned that she was 41-year-old Bonnie Brown Hetty, a gun mole who married a man named Dan Hetty, who was in prison for bank robbery when he made his escape and was shot by a sheriff before he could reach then-23-year-old Bonnie. She heard all about Carl Hall from an ex-prisoner and became obsessed with him in the way that teenage girls become obsessed with celebrities. She loved men like Carl the bad boys behind prison walls. And with him now out and about, she decided to seize her opportunity and bring him home with her. Both driven by alcohol, Bonnie and Carl started drinking themselves into stupors with Carl mainlining heroin as a chaser. After a few days, the pair sobered up enough for Carl to regale Bonnie with his newest plan, kidnapping Bobby Greenlease, a plan that Carl had been brewing since sitting in prison. Bonnie readily agreed and the preparations began. At around 10.55 a.m. on September 28, 1953, Sister Morand of the French Institute of Notre Dame de Sion answered the door and was hastily greeted by a woman saying that she was Bobby Greenless's aunt and needed to take the boy with her right away because his poor mother had just suffered from a major heart attack and had to be taken to the hospital. 
the woman was visibly upset, so Sister Morand had no reason to believe that this was anything but the truth. She went to get Bobby, telling him that there was an aunt there to pick him up, but keeping his mother's condition private, and the young boy walked to the woman without any hesitation. The pair got into a taxi cab, and Sister Morand said a prayer for Bobby's mother. About 30 or so minutes later, Sister Marthana called the Greenleys home to inquire about Mrs. Greenleys's condition. She was shocked when it was Mrs. Greenleys herself who answered the phone and, upon hearing the story about Bobby's aunt, confirmed any school's worst fear. They had just sent a six-year-old boy off with a complete stranger. Mrs. Greenleys immediately called her husband, who rushed home and, upon hearing the story, made a call to the chief of police, who then placed a call into the FBI. A few hours after the kidnapping, the Greenleases received a ransom letter demanding $600,000 in $20 and $10 bills to be placed in a duffel bag if they wanted to see Bobby alive ever again. The letter was postmarked at 6 p.m. on September 28th. A second letter, postmarked at 9.30 p.m. on September 29th, contained the Jerusalem medal worn by Bobby Greenlees, and once again demanded the $600,000. It went on to promise that Bobby was safe, but was becoming homesick. Over the course of a few days, the Greenleases would receive about six ransom letters and about 15 phone calls, and, desperate to get their son back, the pair paid what was, at the time, the largest ransom payment in U.S. history. All of the letters and phone calls claimed that Bobby was alive and well, but ready to come home. In reality, Carl Hall and Bonnie Hetty immediately took the young boy across the state line into Johnson County, Kansas, and shot him to death with a 38 caliber revolver. He was then buried in Bonnie's backyard in a plot that they had dug days before the kidnapping meaning they never had any intention of bringing Bobby back alive. The final call to Bobby's parents was made on October 5th, 1953, at which point they confirmed they received the money and said they would return Bobby within 24 hours. The family waited and waited and waited. Nothing. And while they waited, Carl purchased metal suitcases to hold their newfound fortune and took a very drunk Bonnie to an apartment that he rented in St. Louis, deserted her there with just $2,000 of the ransom, and drove to bury the rest. Failing to find an appropriate place, he left the money, which he stashed in two newly purchased garbage cans, in a deserted clubhouse and drove back to the Coral Courts Motel, where he was staying. Growing suspicious of the people living near the motel, he moved to an apartment at the Townhouse Hotel. In order to throw off any police suspicion, Carl contacted some old criminal associates, one of which was a former sex worker named Sandra O'Day, who was supposed to fly to Los Angeles and nail the letter from there so the police didn't track him to St. Louis. Instead, Sandra got a good look at how much money Carl had stashed away and decided to go with her own plan. It was around this time that a cab driver, John Oliver Hager, called in with some damning information that led police straight to former passenger Carl Hall, who at this point was calling himself John James Burney. Between this call and the rumors that this man was supposedly flaunting an exorbitant amount of money, police had enough to bring him in for questioning. When they did, he implicated Bonnie Hetty. The pair were arrested on October 6, 1953 and Carl insisted to the FBI that, 
While he did plan, kidnap, ransom, and bury Bobby Greenlees, he was not the person who shot him, blaming a man named Tom Marsh, who he claimed he gave Bobby to. He would later admit Tom Marsh was a fictitious character and that the only persons involved in the kidnapping were Bonnie and himself. By October 7th, they had recovered Bobby's body in St. Joseph, Missouri, and by the 11th, he had confessed in full. Between his confession and the evidence found in Bonnie's home and car, there was very little doubt that Carl Hall and Bonnie Hetty were responsible for the kidnapping and murder. Appearing before a judge in federal court on October 30th, 1953, both Carl and Bonnie entered guilty pleas. On November 19, 1953, after hearing all of the evidence against them and an hour of deliberation, both were sentenced to death for their crimes. The judge, after the verdict was read, said, I think the verdicts fit the evidence. It is the most cold-blooded, brutal murder I have ever tried. Carl Hall and Bonnie Hetty were executed together in Missouri's gas chamber on December 18, 1953. Bonnie was one of only two women since 1865 to be executed by federal authorities. As if this case wasn't scandalous enough, only half of the Greenlease's ransom money has ever been located. Some believe the cab driver who eventually turned in Carl Hall tipped off mob boss Joe Costello, who got to the money before the FBI did. According to the FBI investigation, the two suitcases, which were with Carl at the time of their arrest, never made it to the police precinct, leading to the indictment of two officers on perjury charges. One, Lieutenant Louis Ira Shoulders, was convicted on April 15, 1954, and the other, Patrolman Elmer Dolan, was convicted on March 31st. Louis was sentenced to three years and died in 1962, while Elmer was sentenced to two years and received a full pardon from President Johnson on July 21, 1965. To this day, no one knows where the rest of the money went. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 29th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.